Butterfly in the sky I can go twice as high Take a look It's in a book A reading Welcome back to Caucus Talk and the second half of our really informative, very eye-opening interview with listener, supporter, and friend Ian Tuttle as he takes us through his top 10 books on the North Caucasus. Back to Ian. Take a look. It's in a book, a reading rainbow. A reading rainbow. A reading rainbow. A reading rainbow. Ian, have you read, let me ask, have you read any of um, any uh, poems or literature by some of the native Caucasus peoples like uh, Rasul Gamzatov from Dagestan? Anybody like that? The only uh, native Caucasian author I have yet to read in an English translation is um, uh, Muhammad um, El Karaki's uh, Campaigns of Shamil. Okay. Um, mm. In its entirety. Um, uh-huh. but I managed to find a, a translation that was from the original Arabic to the English. Um, I, alas, I was not um, informed or knowledgeable enough during my time when I was actually in Russia to inquire about the literary um, uh, characters from Karbadin yeah. or Adigi or even the Dagestani motion. So that's my, part of my, my goal is to get more well-versed in the native literature. Yeah, and I... Yeah, that'd be. Can you can you research that for us? Because <laughs> we get back to us on that. I, I honestly, I doubt there's much in the English language written by people from the Caucasus. I think and that's I know, the problem. I know I know Rasul uh, Gamzata from Dagestan does have some stuff translated into English. I'm not well, sure. Well, he has a website. Do. I mean, he's not alive, but his website, his official website, has a whole English translation side to it so it's not printed but you can read i don't know if all of his poems are translated and i and i'm not sure about the quality but there is uh, there are online resources you know as well as poetry reads in any translation um very good that is there cool i know there's um and sarcastic there's a sarcastic man by name of um kaidir nafo who uh has written several um books in carbidine literature that are been tra- has been translated to English, and they were on Amazon. I haven't checked res- recently if they're still available on Amazon, but I've seen yeah. them. It was part of my, my reading list. It's my, my ever-growing list of things I need to buy and read. Got it. Yeah, so, well, that was good, and So that was kind of a look at uh, literature, of the Russian literature about the North Caucasus. Again, that's called The Cossacks by Leo Tolstoy. So perfect. Mm. All right, number three. Uh, All right, move, moving right along. Yeah. So uh, what what I would recommend for people who are interested, um, particularly myself, who are interested in the Circassian peoples, is there's a very accessible book called The Circassians, a Handbook by Amjad um, Jamuka. Uh, he's a um, Circassian scholar who passed away a couple years back from Jordan, and he um, wrote several uh, books about Circassian um, traditions and culture. He's got a book uh, also called um, Circassian uh, Customs and Folklore, which is a larger Uh tome that essentially expands more upon what the handbook talks about. But the handbook's very accessible. It talks about... um, First, a little bit about their history, their relation to the to the land, to the the other peoples in the Caucasus. Um, it talks about their uh, history in the um, Ottoman Empire and um, the Soviet Union, uh, right. and also uh, talks about their 
customs, traditions, some of those Disparia communities that are in Israel and uh, Turkey and Jordan, etc. And uh, he goes a lot into like arts and crafts and architecture and even within the linguistics. Um, the other uh, volume that's larger expands on that and also has a 50-page cookbook about different dishes, which are both Kadabidin and then brighter speaking Adigi dishes, like from Shapsug tribes and um, uh, the other other tribal groups. So I would highly recommend that book because it allows the reader to slowly digest the complex, intricate nature that Circassian society is. Because the customs traditions, as you probably have um, gathered from your personal experience meeting Circassian peoples, also the interviews you had, is they're very complex people. And yes. Yeah. In, in English, especially having an English language resource that's a guide to some of their traditions, particularly Adigahabas, which for a very long time was a legal code never written down. It was passed okay. down. Okay. Um, it, it's now been written down. It's, yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. So, wow. okay. That was one of my questions about these these codes that we've heard about is how formalized or centralized they, <clears throat> they are and if they're in a written form or if they're purely oral, but... That's at least one version written down and translated. So, yep, it's um, it's that been written something. down, translated. I've seen him from again, uh, Kedar uh, Nafu. He's got his book that describes oh. Adigahabas that you can probably find on Amazon. Assuming it's still available. Oh. Um, but Amjad is a great resource, and he's been quoted by many uh, within the Circassian associations around mm-hmm. the world as being one of the leading authors in the 20th and 21st centuries, of course, wow. before he passed away, who helped articulate Circassian culture and made it accessible for audiences in the West. Wow, great. Well, that sounds really um, helpful. Would you say, I'm looking at this uh, book profile right now on Amazon. Uh, it doesn't look like it's in Kindle yet. It's... Uh, Pretty expensive, a little over fifty bucks for paperback, three hundred eighty pages. Would, would it's you Rutledge, say like, which is a yeah, pretty uh, heavy hitting publisher. <laughs> yeah, is this kind of more intro level, or are we getting pretty deep at this point? Into this, like, this is like the religion? this is the seg- this is a segue from you know if you were fun- first got your toes dipped and then you are starting this, to get more in the heavy hitters. It's the pony it's the pony up option. It's like that's, okay, that's right. The All water's right. cold. You're knee deep. You got to make mm-hmm. that dive. It hurts initially, but then you're glad you did it. It's great once you get in, guys. The water's great once you get in. That's good. So, Ian, let me ask. This it looks like this is a part of a series called "The Peoples of the Caucasus." Yep, by Rutledge University Press. Uh huh. Do they have so? Do they have similar books like this about other Caucasus? They do. Um, Rutledge um, has a whole entire series that's dedicated to the North Caucasus and also more broadly speaking, South Caucasus. Mm -hmm. And um, um. Amjad uh, Jamuka also wrote a handbook for the Chechens and also okay. the Abhazians. Um, oh. I know there is a, a couple other books that are about the peoples. Um, I believe um, the Karachai and the Balkarians from other offers, uh, but he's okay. done the other ones for the Chechens and the um, Abhazian people. And um, this series also has books on Dagestani politics, for example, and it's got... Uh, books on Georgian poetry, and it's uh, got a lot of different avenues. So depending on what niche you really enjoy in the Caucasus, it's got a book for you in the series. That's wow. great. Good, to, That's good awesome. to know about. I like how you said tome earlier. Uh, <sighs> it's a great word. <laughs> we're definitely we're definitely segueing if we're talking about tomes. Um, that's good. So listeners, uh, again, if you're we're shooting around a lot of foreign names, uh, titles, terms, etc. All of this will be in the show notes. We'll have the, the title and the author's name in the show notes. Again, this was called The Circassians, A Handbook by Amjad Jaimuka. Uh, very good. Awesome, Ian. 
All right, how about our next one? We're moving more at, into like university level reading here, right? Yes, and we're, we're now into the Getting you know serious. scholarly works. Um, so on our on our segue to in Sarcassian peoples, um, the unknown face of Islam Ooh. by uh, Ruth Westheimer and Gil uh, Sidan uh-huh. is a wonderful resource for anybody that's interested in the Sarcassian com- uh, community within Kafakama. Um, I know that and you've had Dave in Israel. Yep, yes. I know that you've had uh, David on the show, uh, the director of the museum over at um, in Kafakama for Sakassian Heritage, and mm-hmm. um, if if you you talk to him on Messenger and then talk to him about this book, I'm sure he'll be tickled um, because this uh, book was an interview done by um, Dr. Uh, Westheimer about all of the um, traditions, folkways, and history behind the people who make. Kafakama, their home, which is around 5,000 um, individuals of mostly Shapsug tribal group within the Circassian nation, um, mm. and how they have adapted and evolved and assimilated within Israeli society in some aspects, but also maintain their cultural identity, their language and traditions in another. So it's, it's really fascinating to read the huh. interviews that she's collected from numerous um, community leaders, um, educational uh, uh, members of the local institution, so the elementary school, for example, uh, that this woman is interviewed in here and talk about how difficult it is to maintain a Circassian language in Israel while the students learn also English, Arabic, Hebrew, um, while maintaining Circassian, um, and yeah. how this, this community has survived and thrived. Wow. Wow. That's cool. So it sounds like there's a, a good amount of the content is interviews with local people from mm-hmm. uh, the community in Israel. Yep. Yeah, that's a timely recommendation uh, since we just interviewed David. And it looks like it's just 112 pages from what it yeah, says. It's not so. very long, but it's, it's really chock-a-block full material. That's great. That's like, that's freshman year. That's first year, like, <laughs> you, you can handle this. You can get through it in a week. Or for a saltier analogy, it's first base, right? I mean, we're just sort of getting, <laughs> all right, we won't go there. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, great. Moving right along. All right, what's your neck? Right? So that, again, that was called, listeners, The Unknown Face of Islam uh, by Ruth Westheimer. Uh, we'll have that on the list. Next book. Freshman year. Next, next book um, is called The Ghost of Freedom, A History of the Caucasus by Charles King. That one you uh, have tra- seen on our shelves, Andrew. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, this is a, a really great book. I highly recommend for anybody who wants a from start to finish compressed and or condensed version of, of Caucasian history that's in a, a doable 250-page uh, novel. Yeah. Um, uh, it's this a book, novel? It's a, a, excuse me, a history text. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, right. It uh, generally um, goes over the early history of the Neolithic era and the Caucasus at the beginning and then flushes everything out from the uh, 16th century princedoms uh, to the 9th century Caucasus War. Uh, talks about the huh. um, international relations between the Russian Empire, the British Empire, and the Ottoman Empire during that era. Um, about these, these three rival powers competing over influence in the Caucasus since it's a bridgeway between East and West. Um, and then, of course, during the Soviet era, and then what's happening uh, more recent or contemporary history during the collapse of the Soviet Union and the formations of these uh, semi-autonomous republics within the Russian Federation. Yeah. Okay. So wow. he, he's uh, quite well-known um, within academia. Uh, he's a professor, professor over at um, Georgetown, and he's written several books also on uh, the Black Sea region, too. So this book, in conjunction with his book, The Black Sea History, is a great huh. shelf piece because the Black Sea is very influential and important to Caucasian history, as you probably both have gathered during your uh, time living there. Sure, 
Sure. Yeah. And that's, well, that's also great. one way to expand your research of the area is to think about the, the larger region. If, if something may not be exclusively about the North Caucasus or one of the people groups, you can look at Black Sea region, Turkic region, and mm -hmm. sometimes those will include um, references or yeah, material on the Caucasus. Right. Yeah. I, and I think probably looking at your list of everything you're recommending, this, this one is maybe has been the most read maybe in the West. It's got a lot of reviews, high, mm -hmm. high reviews. People speak really well of it. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, this, this looks like a good one for people to, to pick up the ghost of freedom by Charles King. It's definitely a um, college-level uh, book to read, uh, especially considering the fact that I cited this for my uh, three papers for my undergrad um, during the caucuses during my studying there. So I, I cited him heavily for some of the historical references there. So Nice. Quite, quite awesome. useful. That's great. Oh, and by the way, I love, so listeners, you can't see this, but Ian is holding up a physical copy of every book. I was about to say that. Yes, yeah. that, that he has. He has all these on his shelf. Um, Old school, ordering the, the old the old school, copy. the actual paper. Well, some of these are not available in Kindle yet. Yeah, most of the, this, most one, of this one is. So this, this one, one is, is yeah, yeah. more accessible. So, so that good. was Ghost of Freedom, right? Ghost of Freedom, yep. All right, Ann, are we now, are we still in university or are we moving into like PhD level? We, uh, we are our last, our last university and then we, we're going to get to our last three PhD. Okay, oh cool. So our, our so last excited. university text um, <laughs> is a book called Bitter Choices, Loyalty and Betrayal in the North Caucasus by Michael one. Kartikovsky. Uh, Michael Kartikovsky is a professor at Cornell, and he has written books on the um, Kamik Nation, so he has two books on them, this particular uh -huh. book on the North Caucasus, and he also um, is a contributing editor in uh, the book um, Russia and Empire, which talks okay. about how the Russian Empire administrated, viewed, and um, assimilated its uh, various conquered peoples, both the Caucasus nations, the Central Asian nations, and some of the Baltic states um, during its 19th century uh, expansion in all directions. Um, so this particular book, The Bitter Choices, I loved. I highly recommend it for people who huh. are really want to get into the, the nitty-gritty, deep history of the Caucasus because he follows primary sources of a uh, Cossack... Tara Cossack specifically soldier who had um, Chechen ancestry uh, huh. by the name of let me look up here in the book real quick so I can get the spelling correct by uh, Simen R. Chikov um, a, a last name spelled A-T-A-R-C-H-S-H-I-K-O-V so just like um, it sounds yeah. just like it sounds um, <laughs> you got it <laughs> he uh <laughs> He had a lot of primary sources that dealt with the records from this individual um, giving dispatches to several Russian generals during the Caucasus Wars. Uh -huh. And it talks about how he transitioned from a local guide helping Russian troops to translating because he spoke uh, Tartar, Chechen, Russian, and um, several other various languages. Wow. He, he would go to the tribal groups. He would try to talk with them to convince them, hey, could you please move your, from your land so we don't have to kill you or vice versa, right? Um, he was so well-liked that he was then personally uh, submitted to become a member of what they call the, um, colloquially, the Circassian Guard in St. Petersburg under right. Nicholas I. So he was one of the elite troops which helped um, guard the emperor during that time. He was then sent back 
back to the Caucasus to help negotiate the surrender of the Karachai tribes within the Chigem and Baksan River valleys. Mm -hmm. And then he decided wow. just on a whim to, I don't want to serve the Russians anymore. I'm going to switch sides and fight with the Caucasian tribes. So he uh, then sought out wow. with a uh, Circassian unit and fought with a Circassian unit for a while, switched sides again back to the Russians, oh then switched goodness. sides a third time back from the Russians to the uh, Circassians where he end was end up um, being killed during a battle, during a skirmish. Oh my gosh. So it follows Switch his... Sides. Yep. It follows, and it's quite common. Um, if you read a lot of the literature, um, that's why I love this book, because it really gets into the nitty-gritty of the side-switching of both Russian soldiers and also uh, local Caucasian tribal oh. me members switching wow. sides and working, kind of playing the Russians and the tribal leaders, even mm -hmm. Imam Shamil, against one another for their own personal benefits. It's very, very fascinating to read. Huh. Wow, yeah, I haven't heard of that one either. That So that is based on... Uh, the uh, source, kind of primary sources, is it written in a novel kind of style or more historical? It's an historical style, but um, Michael Kardakovsky does a very good job of, ha of forming it out like a novel because he, since he's been to these places, he talks about in Chechnya and also particularly within um, Dagestan and within Circassia, what, what we used to be called Circassia. Uh, for our listeners, uh, modern day Republic of Adigia, Karachachkassia, and Karmadio Bakaria. He can describe them like you would in the novel so that way it's it's very engaging it allows you to absorb the historical knowledge but also kind of have a breath of relief because you're getting scenery and you're getting um vibes and you're getting uh personalities involved which also in history is very important because half of history is the personalities who were involved in it well said yeah wow man that's a great one yeah i i have not seen that book uh on anybody's bookshelf or often in a recommended list so i think that's a good one good addition here for our listeners, Bitter Choices by Michael Khodorkovsky. Yep, Khodorkovsky. Mm -hmm. um, now we're getting the PhD levels, fellas. So here we go. Brace yourselves. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to get my seatbelt. <laughs> yeah, get your seatbelt on. So okay. um, my next book recommendation is called Muslim Resistance to the Tsar. Um, it's subtitled Sumil and the Conquest of Chechnya and Dagestan. And this mm -hmm. book is written by the late um, epic scholar Mos Gremer, who was a uh -huh. uh, scholar at Tel Aviv University in Israel. Uh -huh. He specialized in the Department of uh, Eurasia and North African Studies, and he is by far the number one expert in the English language okay. of the uh, Caucasus War in the, eight, in the 19th century against Shamil. Okay. Wow. Um, this is a, another 300-page tome, which is very well footnoted, <laughs> which talks about the start of the Russian conquest from General Imarov during the uh, 1870s, 1820s, and proceeds to Shamil's surrender in 1859. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. It follows, if you love military history and you just love history in general, particularly by talking about the personalities. There are so many general names in here. I had to write them down on my iPhone notes with this book <laughs> so I could get everybody together. Oh my gosh. Um, he gives great descriptions about how they, um, these generals in the Caucasus, the Russian generals in particular, would sabotage one another to get better prestige in the emperor's oh sight. Um, how the troops lived. I mean, how much, how much grape shot you put in the cannon to uh, fight Chechen um, soldiers <laughs> and trees. Wow. They used to, so he's got a great point in the beginning of the book talking about the uh, campaigns, and 
they would used to um, fill grape shot in the cannons and shoot the trees down because the Chechens would climb up in the trees and snipe the Russian soldiers so on they just from were the trees. Trees out, and they would take trees out because the Russians thought it would be better off just to take the trees to limit the Chechens' ability to hide and ambush them than actually killing them. Um, so you you will note that particularly in Lower Chechnya, there's very little forest anymore. And most what? of that forest was deforested during the war in the 19th century for oh both protecting the Russians from ambushes and also for fuel for their um, winter encampments wow. yeah. to keep warm. Um, he also goes to the, the campaigns where in Dagestan they would campaign in the, in the summer months because it was impossible to climb up the rocky uh, faces right. of the mountains with True. ice. Whereas in Chechnya, right. they always fought in the winter. And it was very odd because they could not navigate the rivers during the uh, summertime with all the melted ice huh. making the rivers turn into torrents and rapids. Uh, uh, so it's interesting just to think about that. Um, he talks about in his book um, the uh, different uh, allocations of power that Shamil needed to uh, make a stable, uh, the Caucasus Emirate, what they called it, which was his right. Islamic state in the Caucasus. Um, yeah. He needed to, how he needed to um, gain the loyalty of local tribal members. I learned more about the assassination of all the Arvar Khans in this book, which led to the um, eventual killing of the second imam before Shamil, um, mm -hmm. Ghazabek, yes. um, by Haji Marat and his forces because of um, Hamzad Bek's um, hatred of the Khan of um, Khanzak. Uh, so it was interesting that, that those power politics games between individual leaders involved in the conflict. So I would highly recommend wow. it for those of you who really want to delve deep into the Caucasus Wars. <laughs> I mean, it's not just that he's read these, Andrew. I mean, Ian, you are prattling <laughs> off this stuff like you read it yesterday and it's fresh on your mind. This is a 500-page book. Anyway, I mean, yeah. that's, that's really amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think... So listeners, you're probably, in, in case you hadn't gotten this, we don't talk about this a ton on the podcast, but like a lot of the material written about the Caucasus is about the history of conflicts here. And uh, this, if you really want to understand the region, an in-depth read about the Russian Caucasus War in the 17th or 18th and 19th century would be the way to do it. Because that that is definitely, probably in the history of the region, probably the pivotal event. Right. Right. You know. Yeah. Um man, good stuff in great summary. So that that's called uh Muslim Resistance to the Tsar uh to the Tsar by Moshe Gammer. Again, that'll be in our show notes. Mm -hmm. All right, we're we're going high high level PhD here. What else you got for us? The last cookbook. <laughs> right. <laughs> so our our next book is called uh Russian Muslim Confrontation in the Caucasus which is a combination of three different offers uh, by Thomas Sanders, Ernest Tucker, and Gary Hamburg. Uh -huh. And what they have done is taken a very unique perspective of taking uh, Tolstoy's novel, Haji Marat, and also uh, Mohammed El-Karaki's um, campaigns of Shamil called The Shining of Dagestani Swords, which was a chronicle of Shamil's uh, life and particularly his campaigns all the way to um, his surrender in 1859. Wow. It takes both these perspectives, gives a translation, the first Arabic to English translation of Shining Dagestani Swords, uh -huh. reviews it, then does a, a contemporary review and translation of Haji Marat, and the, the end section by uh, Gary Hamburg 
puts all the historical relevance together and why these two books are, are so important in the collective memory of Russians and North Caucasians living both then and today. Got it. Sounds yeah. good. It's really deep. It's, it talks about how um, the, the collective memory of why Shamil is such an important figure 150 years after sure. his death in North Caucasus. It talks about how Tolstoy was one of the few Russian um, individuals in the Caucasus who actually got his and understood his source materials because he actually lived it. So mm-hmm. he, yeah. he talked about this is what we did when we went to a, a, a Chechen village and this mm-hmm. is how the Chechens mm-hmm. fought us. He also talks about the, the subtle... Um, life changes within both the authors. So how Tolstoy went from a, a gambling uh, drunken nobleman who joined the Cox, in the Cox's War in 1852 to becoming a very religious, very anti-war um, writer in his later huh. years. Um, that's why Hajimara is such an important work for him because right. it was the last work he wrote and it was published after he died. And so it oh, allowed wow. Russians... Um, it was published, I believe, as I said, in ni- 1910 uh, or 1912. I, for- I forget which year. But it was published in the early 19th, uh, 20th century. And mm-hmm. most Russians who read it either did not live during the era or were old enough to have remembered be- uh, hearing about it. Uh, so when it was published and read amongst contemporary audiences during a time, it was a, a new glimpse into an older world that had passed. Sure. And for Shamil and his um, North Caucasian... Uh, uh, compatriots, uh, El Karaki's um, Shining Dexter Swords is a testament to um, how they view their cause uh, for both independence, but also how they viewed um, their faith. Um, how uh, Sufism w- really was a driving force behind their particular movement in uniting so many peoples, which have so many differences in regards to language and customs yeah. and traditions. Um, and it helped really establish a an identity outside of the tribal, outside of the um, local to we are, we are Muslims, we are fighting because we are Muslims and that's what unites us against people who are coming in to attack our home. Uh, because particularly within um, many religious texts mm-hmm. uh, within Islam that it is justified to fight a war if you are the defender. And so as defenders, it, it helped them rally up the cause and help them really right. uh, establish a front line against the Russians. Right. Man. That's also, that's a really interesting style of writing. Um, well, I mean, not only is it extremely academic, you've got these brilliant guys with wanting to go deep and retranslate and compare and stuff. I mean, it's the kind of thing that most of us are going to need to read up to. I mean, you, you, yeah, definitely you couldn't really start there and I think get much out of it or as much as you should without a lot of the context, you know, of which these authors are going to be working with you know not not just explaining but yeah you you definitely need to read um uh i'd recommend uh the uh resistance to czar before you read this book mm-hmm. um that's okay. why i present the first because you won't understand anything that el karaki is talking about in his chronicles shining and dying oh. swords because it's written in a in a uh for lack of a better term, a, a um, Eastern or a, a, or a an Islamic way of writing, so it's more like a chronicle, yeah. more like a story than um, this, like a nineteenth-century history text. So when he describes events, he'll mention a battle, but he won't talk about the dates. And of course, the dates are all in um, Islamic dates and not in uh, modern Gregorian calendar oh, dates. Huh. So you have to also, right. if you're not aware of that, you have to understand. 
when this took place. And so you have to flip back and go. So it's much easier to read to the context first and then read his book so you can understand the two uh, texts. Okay. Wasn't there Good one stuff. more lighthearted one at the end here? <laughs> so Didn't we get a little. This I put this in the category of niche. Like the other ones were, you know, super pop, you know, popular, but this one's niche. Number my niche 10. Book, yeah. My niche book for number 10 is I have a, a passion for anything that's um, arms and armor of the Caucasus. So published in 2015, first edition copy is Kirill Rifkin's Arms and Armor of the Caucasus. Behold, huh. it's what he loves. <laughs> it is a 300 page, another 300 page tome. Um, which talks about everything you want to know about North Caucasian and also South Caucasian weapons and armor. But it's a lot of pictures. It's huh. that it's that heavy it's, kind of coffee book, coffee table book, right? Yeah, it this, is. This is the picture. All kinds. Events. Glossy been pages. All kinds oh, of pages. beautiful! Yeah, swords <laughs> and filigree and helmets and whatever. So this this book is particularly within the uh, discipline of uh, hypology, which is a study of weapons, mm-hmm. and uh, he Seriously. is a arm a arm specialist uh, who works in the um, Moscow uh, University, um, talking about uh, the Kremlin's collection of North Caucasian arms and also wow. Saint Petersburg collection of North Caucasian arms. Um, he also has several um, uh, pieces from the Georgian State Museum as well in Tbilisi. And he's got a section on Circassian weapons. He's got a section on Chechen weapons. He's got a section on Georgian weapons. He's got a section on Iranian wow. Shamshirs and Bazobans. Wow. It's, it's amazing, all the detail he goes into. So now I can look at a weapon at, from that region in a photograph, and I can roughly, not 100% sure, but having read this book, I can tell where it was made, if it's got wow. the stamping on it, when it was made, and who made it. Oh, my gosh. So you said that's hypology? Mm-hmm. H-Y-P-O? Here, I'll pull it up on the... Huh. Yeah, just, I'm looking at the Amazon page here. This is the only book you've recommended that only has five-star reviews. Pretty impressive. <sighs> I mean, it's clearly like it's the expert source in this uh, kind of area of interest, you know? So the spelling of that, Eli, is going to be H-O-P-L-O-L-O-G-Y. Hoplology. Hmm? Wow. Hoplology. H-O-P-L-O-L... That's the study of weaponry? It's the study of weapons, the development of weapons, armor, and other combatants' tools in relations to contexts in which they are created. I think H- this is this is okay. the most interesting book, I think. To me. This is the most, like, one kind of out of left field on this list that you you brought. I knew you'd have a couple like this that would, like, nobody else would have put. So I'm, I'm glad you put this on here. Really, really unique. Well, yeah. I, when I came, I saw it come out, and I... Um, I special ordered it, so I had one of the first print it, prints of it when it came out. Uh, and I needed it because I wanted to, to do living history. I wanted it to be authentic, so I needed to have yeah. parts and things. I got my own bands for my Circassia and Regalia. I've got my, my Shashka and my Kinjal and all of my accoutrements to the Regalia that I needed to be authentic because I didn't want to just walk into a shop and just buy a random Kinjal because they're different. If you look at yep. them, there are different motifs yep. in Dagestan. There are different motifs in Chechnya. There are different motifs in Circassia. And so oh. if I wanted to present the material authentically for a Western audience who is just starting to understand what the thing is, I got you got to do it right. Well, you definitely did it right, my friend. Uh, well done, Ian. I feel like I just read a book. I mean, just listening about <laughs> it. I'm exhausted. Oh, man, that was awesome. 
Well, that was that was a great list. Um, Eli, do you have you and I have done a decent amount of reading uh on the North Caucasus? <laughs> um, um all things are relative, but okay. <laughs> Do you have any one or two you'd add to this list? You know what? I'm going to add some that are on my reading list that I've either looked at, read in, but I don't think any of these I've read cover to cover. Um, and just just because, just because, I, the first one I'm going to suggest is actually a children's book on Dagestan. So uh-huh. this is like the other end of the universe. And um, no, but this was actually one of the first books we saw when we were just getting interested. And it's, you know, it's one of these sets you find in middle school libraries. You do a report on it. And so I mean this for children, or if you're not going to read even a hundred page book and you want an overview, it's, it's the series cultures of the world. And, um, you know, they've got them on like different countries and this is their, their huh. take on Dagestan. And so it's, it sticks to basic facts about industry and culture. You know, it's very general, but it's very approachable. Great because we do have children, you know, they can open it and at a, at a, you know, first, second grade reading level, they can get into it a bit. So for those listening who may want to aim at the other end, uh, that's one that I would recommend that I, I have read in. Um, nice. There are a couple that are really um, interesting to me. There's a, a book called Legends of the Caucasus by David Hunt, and it is a collection of folklore. And I'm getting two thumbs up from Ian on that. Yes. Great, great text. Yeah. Really, really um, diverse in the things that he that he highlights. Huh. What's cool is he takes different kinds of literature or folklore, legends. Um, he talks about there's, there's different topics like Topic four, rustling, stealing of animals. And then he has, you know, seven in there. And they're not just from like central or say he n- nails the people group. So you've got Balkar, Chechen Ingush, Lok. So you, it's super zoomed in. Even the uh. Ubwik, which is an extinct language, you know. And so he's all these topics um, and draws from their folklore. So that's one that a professor of mine um, had that I'm really interested to get into. Um, cool. I will do two more. One of them is a very, I don't own this one yet because it's the kind that, you know, like sells for $800 on Amazon because (laughs) like three people have it or whatever. So it's, it's a short book. It's called tattooed mountain women and spoon boxes of Dagestan. Wow. (laughs) So so niche. It's yeah, talk about niche, but it's an ethnographic look at basically symbology or semiotics among women in huh. Dagestani mountains. And so it's a it's super niche and focuses on ethnographic things, but B it focuses on women and women's lives and what it's like. Um huh. so I it has great reviews, not quite as many as other books, like it has two, but they're both five star and they've actually purchased cool. it. And then on again, this one's super on the other end of the kind of spectrum. It's not safe at all. It's it's a book by a uh, a female novelist who lives in Mahachkala, and uh-huh. it's been translated. I think it's very negative. It's called The Mountain and the Wall, but it's a novel, and she's um, published has been published under a male pseudonym. Um, I, so I think it's a pretty negative take on the situation in Dagestan uh-huh. in particular. I've, I've heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, if it's so negative that it would just be considered kind of rabble rousing, but it's because it's been translated. Uh, I don't know what her agenda is or, or, or whatever, 
But I am interested in contemporary voices, not just academic voices, right. you know, but those from, from 18th, inside. 19th century. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Let's try 21st century. And those in English are very few. So um, this attracted my attention because it is in English. Ian, have you read this? I have not, no. Yeah. So, I mean, again, you know, listeners might know more about this than I do, but I, I'd be interested to read it to, to um, hear what some of the contemporary voices are are um well, what's going on so that's that's my short short list for reading <laughs> cool good stuff Those how about were, you andrew yeah uh i i'm gonna put in two kind of yeah flavor it up a little i think one for sure we need to put in there are the nart saga collection by, John, by Russo. Russo. uh we interviewed him in episode 49 but he's a world expert on the circassian peoples um yeah. and uh he helped was a part of translating into English all of these kind of mythological legend type stories, folk stories from the Circassians and from the Assetians. So both of those are on Amazon. Um, they have really cool covers and uh, we've had multiple listeners buy those books <laughs> to read them. Not just um, for the covers. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. cool. But... No, no. Yeah. Very well put together. <laughs> I, we have the well, Circassians hey, one. It's true. Less like when you're selling beer, right? You have a guy with a good label, a book's got a good cover, and you're not going to grab it off the shelf. Right. Yeah. It's so, true. It's true. Yeah. So that, uh, yeah, the mythological literature. And then uh, I know my wife reads a lot of historical fiction, and uh, she actually read this book and told me about it. Um, but it's called Constellation of Vital Phenomena uh, by Anthony Mora. Uh, this is about the Chechen Wars. Uh, okay. And a lot of people, you know, have heard about this or, you know, this part of kind of modern history in the Caucasus, yeah, but sure. it is a gripping read. Uh, it follows individuals, it tells their stories, and then you learn kind of the history of, of the region through that. So that's, that's definitely a, a heavy one. But if you like reading historical fiction in a novel, I think you could learn, learn a lot about the region reading, reading that book. So cool. Y- yeah. Um, man, guys, great work. Uh, that was our top 16 to 18 uh, yeah. must reads. But uh, Ian, thanks so much for researching this. Well, yeah, list. You've probably read 150 books about the North Caucasus. It was um, hard to narrow down to pick which ones I thought, which you had to have the appropriate levels of sure. readership and knowledge. And this was, was accessible, right? You know, so at least it's a good list for people who want to dip their, their fingers into the literature. And then for people who are more advanced, there's also books they can read too. So Who want to sink to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, I'd day. love it. Right. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of our listeners have read different books about the North Caucasus. We'd love to yeah. hear your suggestions. Absolutely. Um, we'll probably, we'll start occasionally, you know, posting these on our Facebook page uh, for people who are interested to learn more. Um, and let's wrap this thing up. I'm sure... There are hundreds of things you could tell the world about the North Caucasus, but if there were one thing you could mm-hmm. tell the world, what would you tell them about the North Caucasus? <sighs> Hospitality, man. Uh, you got to come here. That's the thing. Uh, I know when it's intimidating when you go up on a State Department website and it says, don't go, danger, in yellow or orange <laughs> text, right? Yeah, but I, right. I tell you, when I first went, went here in 2013 to 2014, I fell in love with it, and I loved it so much, I went back there f- for another year. And I'm yep. always trying to find excuses to come back, and it's it's just been a wonderful ride. You'll meet so many wonderful people. You, you'll experience so many beautiful sights, eat so many different foods, the, the scents, the 
the aromas, the the hospitality of people here is is fantastic. I mean, there's a Circassian phrase that if you translate from Caribbean to English, is a a host is a slave to his guests. That's that's the mentality that you have. You are you yeah. are treated like that's a sultan. That's how it feels. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I don't mind and, that at all. <laughs> Having having spent a lot of time within a Carbonian household, it's it's quite a, a, a pleasure and a treat, and they love to have you. That's they live yeah. for having guests. So awesome. come the caucuses. Cool. That's awesome. Well said. And I remember you told me one time you were repeating what I think your friend Eldar said, but something like "keep calm and circassian on." Something like yes. that. Yes. Oh, there we yes. go. <laughs> yep. Love that. that. Man, and this was great, listeners. I hope uh, this is a good practical resource for you. Uh, so we will, we'll definitely have it in our show notes, kind of all the links to the books. Maybe we can even create some kind of PDF or something at some point uh, to get on our website. Um, Eli, you got that, right? I got it, man. I got all the yeah, links right there here. We go. Awesome. I uh, hope you'd enjoyed that, listeners. Um, as always, please follow us on our Facebook page. Love to engage with you there. Email us. Write us on Facebook. Uh, what is your favorite book about the North Caucasus? We'd love to hear. Um, yeah, good stuff. From all of you. Yeah, please leave us a review on iTunes as well. We appreciate every little star that we get and every comment. Keep them coming. Thanks again to our faithful Patreon supporters. If you'd like to join their, their ranks, it's patreon.com slash caucus talk. And you find us there. So, Ian, thanks again. Andrew, enjoy the heat. And listeners, we'll see you when you get there.